friends, before we get into today's episode, we just have a bit of a content warning and explanation. So in this episode, we end up discussing sharing videos about Black people being murdered that are that have been shared a lot in the past couple of months. And I also discuss what I personally perceive to be a lack of empathy around uh, non-Black people who watch and share these videos. And this is this is just my my personal opinion. Like you know, I've been a, I've been aware of police brutality since I was like five years old, and I really just can't watch any of these videos because of just the sheer emotional pain of them. And I know that as we're recording now in early August twenty twenty, there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of progressive non-black people who are sharing these videos and watching these videos as aware of like bearing witness to both police brutality and white people basically lynching black people in our current contemporary time but i honestly feel there's other ways of bearing witness and like supporting the black lives matter movement that isn't necessarily sharing the literal last moments of people's lives this is a feeling that i've had for a really long time but we recorded this episode on may 10th of this year and this is right around the time the video of Abend Audrey was being widely shared and we hadn't quite reached the sort of national conversation about Black Lives Matter and like contemporary lynching that we have in August of 2020. And I just want to let you guys know that like if we'd recorded this now, I would have definitely spent the time to kind of discuss the ethics of sharing these kind of videos and I would have had a much less cavalier tone and in the future whenever such issues arise that I will make sure that we take it as seriously as the issue deserves. Yeah and I think that whole we recorded this on May 10th thing is probably also relevant just like tonally a lot of shit has happened specifically around Harry Potter also since then that who knows how that's going to impact what our episodes sound like going forward but I feel like there's at least one point where JK Rowling comes up uh, in this episode and we discuss it without being like parenthetical who is a terrible human uh which probably is something that we'll be doing from now on so someone on twitter called her surf and turf which made me laugh so hard that is amazing (laughs) um please keep coming up with turf puns so we can continue calling her yes now in happy news we're gonna thank some more of our patrons this still is not an up-to-date number of people because Y'all are incredible and your support just is flowing at the moment and we are so incredibly grateful to you. So if you don't hear your name and you're a new patron, again, tune in in future episodes. At some point you will definitely hear your name because we are absolutely going to be thanking each and every one of you. Uh, So this week I want to thank Sade Irelia. Catherine, Russell, Rachel, Karen, Laura, Jessica, Cassie, Anna, and Rebecca for joining our Patreon and supporting our work. You guys are incredible. We're so thankful. Yeah, we really can't thank you enough. Yes, thank all of you so much. And uh, let's get into this now very old episode. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's been been since May since we've released a new chapter episode. That's uh, true. I know that y'all have been waiting. So here you go. <laughs> here it is. <laughs> in 
The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Oh, this book causes Satanism. Is left for us to rant about. There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> I shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hello and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin Dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapter 15, the Quidditch final, in which, leaving off in the last chapter, the boys learn that Buckbeak has been sentenced to death and vow to help Hermione with Buckbeak's appeal. Hermione and Ron make up very adorably. But Hermione, unable to listen to angry music like most preteens, is on edge the rest of the time until they can finally talk to Hagrid and find out she is wrecked about Beaky. In response to Malfoy being a little shit about this, Hermione takes off her earrings and and smacks the (laughs) shit out of Malfoy and nearly curses him into next week for all the shit she's endured under white witch patriarchy. Still riding on that bad bitch energy, she goes up against Trelawney and reminds her who the fuck she thinks she is. If she the goat now, would anyone doubt it? Easter break happens with a ton of homework and the final Quidditch match of the year looming. It's very high tension because sports. Sporting commences and it is twice as dangerous as usual because everyone is literally out for blood. But Harry wins the match and gets the Quidditch cup for the first and I believe last time of his school career. All right, we start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Hermione Granger voted queen of all of us in landslide election. Word. (laughs) (laughs) We turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this newspaper. Let's talk about the first two pages of this chapter in which Hagrid is very sad, which I do not like. But also, apparently, her and Buckbeak had a great time in London. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is the, also my first thing. Uh, <laughs> this is me putting in an official request to you, Theo Julian Forrester, to please have this week's comic be a series of Polaroids of Hagrid and Buckbeak doing cute, like, tourist things in london i want to see them at like i don't know at (laughs) the harry potter display at king's cross station (laughs) (laughs) you know what just please i need it i need like i want them posing in front of like statues and like buckingham palace and whatever just like but like buckbeak is clearly eating so many pigeons (laughs) oh my god buckbeak (laughs) with like a dead pigeon like eight dead pigeons in his beak Oh my god. <laughs> it just gets progressively gorier as the fucking spark Oh god. Yes. Hagrid would be so proud. This is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
<sighs> I can see it now. I also just want to say how very quickly Buckbeak has turned into Hagrid's other dog. Yeah. She's given him a shorter nickname. They went out on this, on some outings. <laughs> and later in the, the chapter, the way that Hagrid describes what she's going to do for Buckbeak reminds me of every cute Instagram story of someone taking a senior dog like on these beautiful like hiking trips to be like, I want this dog to live the best life before it passes away. And it's like, this is this is what Hagrid is doing right yeah. now. Yeah. And it's very tender. It's so good. So sad, but also, yeah, so sweet. Uh, what? I want a cheering charm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> really badly. Also, why does this not ever come up again? I would be, like, casting that to myself all the time. Do you think there's... Like a emotional hangover kind of impact from it. Or it's like Molly and you're just like, all your serotonin is like, I can't serotonin anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, I guess. And that would explain why you we literally never see it again, despite how sad everyone gets in the later books. It's so true. I mean, they should have just like been casting this <laughs> Ron every day while they're camping. <laughs> like... Oh, you're hungry and whiny again? Cheering charm. Calm the fuck down. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, what a great point. Why are they not using this? I mean, poor writing, probably. Yeah, she just forgot she wrote it. She's like, whatever. Right, even if it only lasts for a couple of hours, that's that's literally the effect of, like, getting drunk. I know, I was about to say, so does... So any other drug. <laughs> right. The fact that no one is recreationally having like cheering charm parties is ridiculous. Someone is. <laughs> I feel like the Hufflepuffs and the Ravenclaws are. I just don't think, I think there are parties that are happening that Harry just doesn't get invited to. Yeah. Ginny does. Ginny's the only person out of the people that Harry talks to on a regular basis that gets invited to those parties. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds totally right. It's very sad, that's all. I feel like so, I don't know, my impression of cheering charms is like, oh, that just sounds so great. And definitely the kind of thing where you would be like, let's do cheering charms and then like eat really decadent or like cool textured foods and like just... I don't know, lay on a beanbag and it's going to be so lovely. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, what do you have next? Um, so I have this in different parts, but I love how quickly Malfoy backs down the moment Hermione takes out her wand because he knew if Hermione cursed him that his grandchildren would feel it. So yeah. he was like, I don't need this generational curse shit on my life. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. Like not a word, not a smart remark. He's just like, I'm out. Like, nope, you're, we're done. We're done here. Yeah. And uh, Crab and Goyle also are like, they just like look at Malfoy and are like, oh, what, what do we, what do you want? I don't. 
It's like, that's a, you guys are all making really good choices, right? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's making good choices. Uh, I just want to say that Ron's joke about the crystal ball and he's like, it's obvious what this means. There's going to be loads of fog tonight. I'm like, you're, you are funny. You're a funny guy. I, <laughs> I feel like for a long time, whenever Luna, like the, I would read that part where Luna is like, he's funny, but mean. I was like, is he funny? And I feel like this reading that we're doing, I'm like, oh, Ron, Ron is funny. That's actually true. And I never, I never totally appreciated that about him. Before. Ron gets some really good one-liners, I yeah. feel like. Which makes, I guess it makes sense to me as I feel like sarks and sarcasm and joking is 80% of the way that Fred and George talk, that him and Ginny would would also kind of reflexively just talk back to them like that and become yeah. like, because Ginny also has some really good one-liners, so. Yeah, she's super funny. Yeah. So the bit where Hermione doesn't go to Charms and she's like passed out in the common room. I realize that part of her save is to cover up for the fact that she's already been to Arithrasy. But I also believe that she spent a lot of time thinking up clever and untraceable revenges on Malfoy. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. And I believe her. She'd have done some shit that no he wouldn't even realize and then like no one could just get back to her and she'd just be like, it's a shame. It's shame, shame about that. Yeah. Do something to make it so that his arm actually stops working for an indefinite amount of time. It's a shame that his both his arms are now occupied tentacles. <laughs> uh, or like uh, reverse engineered whatever went wrong when uh, Lockhart disappeared Harry's bones and just starts like quietly casting that on Malfoy every time she passes him in like a situation where he doesn't see her. All right. Harry gets up in the middle of the night to drink some water, which he drinks out of a goblet, which made me realize just like how poorly I'm living my life. (laughs) What am I doing with this mason jar on the side of my bed? Like a goblet? Yeah. This world is like so over the top. (laughs) Out of the silver jug of water that, you know, is like the perfect drinking water temperature and is like a goblet that probably has a like Gryffindor crust on it or something. Yeah. It's absurd. Um, Speaking of this scene where Harry wakes up in the middle of the night, he has a little bit of a premonition about flying against dragons, which he literally does in the next book. It's true. I was actually wondering when I read that if writing that scene is where she got the idea for the Triwizard task. She was like, ooh, that's good. Who doesn't want to see Harry versus a dragon on his firebolt? If we're talking about in the movie, me, I don't want to see it. (laughs) I don't want to see it at all. It's been so long since I've seen the fourth movie, I don't even remember what that part looked like. Well, it's roughly two thirds of the movie. (laughs) It's so long and not great and definitely like involves like the dragon chasing Harry through the sky and like crashing down parts of the castle and a lot of other just things that absolutely don't happen. Yeah, I don't remember that. I'm like, do I remember that? But it's 
No. I'm thinking about Game of Thrones, which is also full of CGI dragons destroying shit. And I'm like, that's not the mental image that is actually what you're talking about. So. No, not nearly as advanced CGI. I mean, yeah, that was like, I saw the movie four when I was in college. That was a really long time ago. Okay, so my last front page. So there's apparently 800 people at this Quidditch match. Who are they? Right? Where did they come? Are their parents here? And if there are, like, why do we never see the Weasley parents? Because, like, all of their children are on the Quidditch team at some point. What's going on? Yeah, I actually had that about that, too. I'm like, how the fuck are there 200 Slytherins? And they say that that's a quarter of how many people are there. So there's, like, roughly, like, 200 students per house? Which I'm like, that math is not There's not. (laughs) It's not possible i mean we do have some random slytherins who are on the team where it's like we don't even get last names for these dudes except for montague who comes back in book six but like derek and bull i'm like who the fuck are these guys yeah i mean but i assume they're just like older older slytherins you mm-hmm. know there's we know what four we know five five slytherins right and that's like one year and obviously there's more slytherin girls than just pansy who we who are just always unnamed but like it's probably not that many because there's only the eight kids in harry's year of gryffindor so yeah i mean there's like yeah there's like pansy and millicent millicent's not the same year is she i think she's older they're in dueling club together yeah but that was all grades that's true i guess i just assumed that millicent was in their grade I don't know why I assumed that she was older. Huh. But, yeah. I mean, they often refer to Pansy's gang of Slytherin girls, so I feel like there have to be at least, like, three others besides her. Yeah, I don't know where all these people are coming from. (laughs) I mean, I put it in correctly because I'm like, this does not seem right. But the only other thing I can think of is that there must be... I don't know. Like, there's, like, Harry's part of Gryffindor Tower. Is there, like, multiple towers of Gryffindors? No. There can't be. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. That does belong in corrections. I keep forgetting that corrections is a section that exists. So. <laughs> I just I just think either there are parents there, and for some reason we never see the Weasley parents there, or this is just, like, incorrect, or Harry is super nervous and it feels like there are 800 people there when in reality it's the, like... 250 to 300 that there always are i mean yeah i'm willing i'm willing to bet that it is a little bit of probably harry's nervousness maybe they cast like the teachers cast some sort of uh like charm to make it seem more like a real sports match so there's like most of the people are just like holograms (laughs) (laughs) i will say for the record that does like a thing that snape would do oh yeah totally (laughs) (laughs) and they're just all holograms of him (laughs) just Just a rose of snape Snape. wearing like green robes that just go on past the like 85 slytherins that actually are in their house (laughs) oh my god one amazing but two snape never wears green he says he's wearing green in this chapter that's a correction maybe it's a dark green Maybe he has, like, a green accent piece. Like a scarf? scarf. <laughs> yeah. But I, that man 
look, there's just no way that he's not wearing black. <laughs> I, call, I call bullshit. Uh, okay. Do you have anything else on the front page? Uh, I have a few more things. Cool. I just love all the scenes of uh, Kirk Shanks and Padfoot being best buds. <laughs> And Harry's like, oh, maybe this isn't a hallucination if Crookshanks can also see this dog. And it's like, yeah, Harry. Yeah. I also have a question for you. Okay. So during the Quidditch match, which and I just didn't want to read at all, Angelina is the first person to get like seriously body checked by one of the Slytherins, and Fred hits him so hard that he like he wet that flint wings his nose into his broom and is bleeding. Mm-hmm. And so I want to ask you if do you think that. Fred and Angelina are already kind of a thing at this point, and we only become aware of it in the next book. Because, I mean, I get that, like, they're teammates, but, like, that seems like... I guess there's a lot of overkill in the last half of the book of everyone just getting out of control with hurting people, but... No, I think there's definitely probably, at the very least, some, like, serious chemistry taking place between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe some, like, awkward mutual crushing that they don't quite know how to articulate yet, because they're 14 14 yeah i don't know just it just seemed i don't want to say sweet because it's not sweet to i mean anyway i just i like had to take note of it i'm like damn fred that was like kind of a lot (laughs) (laughs) like shit bro no i think i think that's good reading i think you're probably definitely catching something there um and then my last front page is also about this quidditch match and inappropriate feelings which is that noticeably Harry and Draco's knees touch a lot during the last part of this game. And I'm like, <laughs> one or both of you is going to really be into this later. I feel like. <laughs> You're like, where did this knee fetish come from? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, no, probably both of them are like, can't tell what's like butterflies from knee touching and what's like exhilaration from the match that sounds totally accurate i thought so yeah i just i just wanted some uh, gay levity at the end of for, for this chapter <laughs> yeah it's like the butch version of their hands touched accidentally i don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah they really need a, a contact sport at hogwarts I almost said wrestling, and I'm like, that isn't. It's the only thing I could think of. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff. Okay, my first editorial says Hermione, Queen of the Realm, Queen of My Heart, smack that boy, quit that class, call them dottery old fools. I love you. <laughs> uh, yeah, Hermione just like, yeah, she was just really feeling herself that day. And I'm like, God damn, God damn. It was a full moon in her sign. Like, <laughs> she's, she, oh my God, I just, I just love, she's, killing it at life right now hashtag self-care <laughs> yeah i spent an inordinate amount of time today trying to figure out what song is playing in the background and her just like i don't give a fuck about any of y'all <laughs> i'm really sorry that i'm about to say that it's 
<laughs> that Limp Bizkit song. <laughs> Wait, which Limp <laughs> It's just one of those days when you don't want to wake up. <laughs> Everything's oh. fucked. Everybody sucks. You don't really know why, but you want to justify ripping someone's head off. It's called Chainsaw. That's what it is. Oh my god. Do I know all the words to that song? Yes, I do. I spend my brain on very valuable things (laughs) but it totally is right yeah also um don't hurt yourself is playing softly in the background of her entire day because it definitely starts off with who the fuck do you think i am yeah and it just like goes hard from there yeah ron is like ron is like jack white being like yeah yeah. Not herself. Fuck yeah. And it's just like, what is happening? What is this? And it's exactly what is happening during her day. Uh, sorry, oh I don't even remember what Jack White's part of that song was. But yes. I, listeners, I just like died. I laid down in my bed where I record and to take my glasses off. <laughs> Oh my god. Who who amongst you listeners animates can you please make this music video? Yeah, I wish I could animate because that would be so good. That would be so good. <laughs> oh, oh my god, I'm like sweating. I'm leaving all of the silences. Like everyone can just just spend this time imagining along with us as we just sit here. <laughs> um, do you want to talk more about Hermione's day? Because I have it a bit spread around, but... Um, I do. I want to talk about the fact that she calls the the board or whatever daughtery old fools, which is such just so great. I don't know why it makes me so happy, but it makes me so happy. Also, though, what a succinct political analysis, because useless old men easily swayed by white men with money is always topical. Yeah, it sure is. Unfortunately, there's never there's never a time in recent memory that has not been a topical political point. Yeah, I feel like someone should make a um, a political podcast called Dottery Old Fools. <laughs> <laughs> They just, like, rip into political analysis specifically around that particular issue. Yeah, um, that will not be us because I do not want to spend that much time talking about politics, so. Hell no. (laughs) No, no, no. The only politics I want to talk about are the politics of Harry Potter. (laughs) Exactly. Which often are also the politics of our real world, but, you know. Um, Yeah, I'm down to talk about whatever. This is my only editorial so we can put whatever you want. All right. I think my my other favorite part is just how much shade Hermione throws at Trelawney and when she's in divination. Like she just like she's just saying the the quiet pout loud. She just doesn't give a fuck. They're like laughing so hard it's like noticeably palpably like the rest of the Gryffindors are like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like silently looking at their bullets like what what are what are they doing? <laughs> Hermione never acts like this. It's like, whoa. Yeah. It's I am just so into her this chapter. And you know, she's right about everything that she's saying 
too and i'm just like yes say it like just go hard i I feel like i didn't remember this all happening in one day which seems like so it's like so much i know i was complaining to evan about all of the sports in this chapter and he was like you should just uh be like due to a error where we don't want to talk about quidditch this episode is unavailable and have that be the whole episode and i was like oh no we can't this is hermione's chapter i mean <laughs> it real, it really is like troll and then Trelawney's is like rude as fuck to her and it's like Ooh. uh yeah you should be like no bitch no I'm not today so mad at Trelawney. so that was such a rude as fuck thing to say to a student it is unacceptable Uh, it made me like I've had teachers say shit like this to me and in my case I it was always the like people saying things to like try to motivate me to like live up to my potential quote unquote like trying to be like tough love and not understanding that like a that sucks but then also I feel like given the way that we read Hermione I'm like I assume that Hermione also has like rejection sensitivity dysphoria so the way that I imagine her reacting to what Trelawney said is very intense and like I don't know because I I get very like in Hermione's brain and I'm like she knows that Trelawney sucks and that this isn't her own fault and that you know the whole situation is ridiculous and that you know at least for her this class is a joke and it's you know not important for her and that doesn't in any way negate the reaction that she's having to being insulted in this way and also she's like literally the opposite of hopelessly mundane uh yeah yeah I am so I'm just I'm just so mad I'm so mad on her behalf and that's why she kicked open that trap door and was out like if she would have flipped the table like that would have been like a totally reasonable response to that kind of bullshit she should have uh reductoed all of the crystal balls <laughs> actually all of the pink teacups wouldn't that have been so fucking great uh it would have been it would have been so good uh that was the only thing that like made me sad in the whole chapter is that she says i quit or i i give up she says something that like indicates a sense of she is experiencing this as a failure and that made me really sad because i'm just like no hermione you're not failing at anything this teacher needs to be reprimanded for the terrible thing that she just did and also like she told everyone on the first day of class that if you aren't literally born with an innate ability to do this thing, then you can't do it. So you just shouldn't have been in this class in the first place. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess none of them really should have been in the class. But it's also kind of like, when the fuck does that talent ability even show up? I feel like it's like parcel tongue or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's something that's just like, either you can do it or you can't do it. So it's what, genetic? I don't know. But I think we talked about this a long time ago. Like, I think you should have to test in to divination. So it's like some sort of like basic Mm -hmm. rudimentary test. That's just like a really easy way to be like, do you have the sight or not? 
Yeah. And if you don't, then like, don't take this class because it's just going to fuck up your GPA. It's a class that you can't pass if you don't have a thing that like you are born with or not born with. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, I mean, Harry Ranga by just like making shit up, but like he definitely failed the owl of divination because he's like, I don't see anything. Right. I mean, you can, you can maybe, the stuff that's about memorization you can do, but anything that's practical, if you don't have the sight, good luck. Yeah, it is very strange. Um, <clears throat> so sort of related to Hermione's bad bitch day. I feel like this is maybe the day that is the beginnings of Ron's like crush slash potentially romantic interest in Hermione. Is like this whole day Mm. of like smacking the shit out of Malfoy and then like telling Trelawney off and it's being like. That is definitely Ron's type. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Hermione's feelings for him don't come around probably until like book five, probably. But I think this is sort of the start of it for Ron. I have to say that I was kind of hoping that we could, like, read the entire series without ever acknowledging any sort of crush taking place between Hermione and Ron, which I know is impossible, but I just hate it so much. I mean, obviously, I feel feel that the fact that Hermione shows romantic interest in, like, Crumb, and I'm assuming other people shows that she's not, it's not like a, this is my, like, one true love kind of thing. So, like... Carmine could still have crushes on, like, whoever the fuck else she wants to. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I think I just would like for them to all just be able to be friends without there having to be this, like, Ron likes her like that and Harry likes her like a sister, sort of, like... Yeah, I mean, it gets more annoying in, what is that, book four? Yeah. All right, so a couple more things my editorial... So Hermione's annoyed that she like slept through, I'm assuming time time turning her back herself back to go to charms. Mm-hmm. But like, why didn't she just like time turn herself that extra hour, like from lunch to go to charms? This is such a good question because I don't understand that either. Like, I get that it's not like, no, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, because like, yeah, then she would have like an extra hour or something but like you've got a lot of homework buddy just go hide out somewhere and do some homework i don't yeah i don't know it seems really weird right super weird yeah maybe it's because of like the laws of time travel because harry the experience of her not being in charms already happened Mm. Oh, you're right, because if she would have gone back... She would have been in Charms. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I'm also kind of like, Hermione, you probably definitely have already mastered sharing Charms. I think you'll be okay. But, I mean, I I mean, she can get it on her own, for sure. Yeah. I have this in education, but this whole thing, she shows up in Divination after going to talk to Flitwick, quote-unquote, looking harassed, which to me says that Flitwick was not understanding of the fact that she missed his class, which makes me so mad. 
he surely as a head of house knows what's going on with her and that she's taking all these classes and like also that she's like the best student of her year and also that she'll totally be able to like figure out cheering charms on her own like why why would he not have been kind and understanding toward her yeah that's like real weird also out of character maybe he suggested that she drop arithmetic oh maybe because like that's an elective and like his class is not and he would have already known that she would have been in that class because she would have he would have already talked to that professor vector yeah because it's a math joke get it <laughs> yeah I, 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 the minute i i think i did know it and i said it out loud i'm like yep that is a yeah. math joke i no i actually think that that makes a lot of sense that that she's looking harassed because he was like hey i think you've taken on too much and i want you to like reconsider what you're doing and i'm concerned about you like that is both in character for flitwick and also would have hermione like on the defensive and also would totally lead to her dropping divination where she's like no i can do all of the things and then she gets in this class and she's like you want me to fucking drop a class i'm gonna fucking drop a class like i'm leaving right now fuck this class right because she's done yeah because she definitely has like oh no i got this all under control i got it kind of energy yeah i mean even not taking dinner i mean even though it appears in later this chapter that not taking divinations didn't only slightly helped her workload and her stress level. Yeah. Because at this point, she's already like so burnt out that she could like go down to one class and it would still feel like too much work right Mm -hmm. now because she just needs to like take a nap for several months. Which seems like it'd be a better use of that time traveler. (laughs) The the time traveler. Jesus, the time turner. (laughs) Yeah. She really, really needs to be taking more naps and going to more cheering charm parties. It's like, oh, you have all this time now because you can just flip your time turner. Yeah, take like 10-hour naps. You're going to feel better and no one has to know. Yeah. All right. So my next thing is about Ron. Okay. Who is finally helping out with Buckbeak. And actually, I think doing you know the good job of like basically taking it all of Hermione's plate and he seems like super focused on this and it's interesting to me because I you kind of get the sense throughout the series that Ron is just a like an okay student Mm -hmm. but it's not I mean I want to say that he's like clearly uh very intelligent and so I'm curious if his like issues with schoolwork is just sort of like the like his like a lack of academic passion or like just a failure of the school to like figure out whatever his learning style is or some combination of both or maybe just some kind of like learning disability like attention you know executive function kind of deal okay so we've actually had several people at this point write in to us being like stop picking on ron for like lack of self-control why aren't you reading him as having something like adhd so we did talk about this the first time we got one of these emails and we're like no we're not going to read ron that way 
I think that the answer to that is that Ron is our proxy for talking about like white male privilege. And if we have to be more charitable towards him, we lose that a little bit. Um, Which, I mean, that's what we've talked about in the past, right? I mean, I guess, I guess I don't know if that necessarily negates it, I think. Because I feel the way that he feels, like, you know, even if he has ADHD, the way that he feels comfortable expressing that is different than, you know, the way that Neville, you know, like, different than the way that, like, we see Neville express his mm-hmm. neural atypicalness. And that Ron's emotional outburst, I feel like, would be read differently, you know, in different characters. Totally. No, and I, I want to... Like, I am always down to, like, change our readings of characters as they become more nuanced. So I wasn't like, no, we already decided about this, so we can't read him that way. Um, more being like, I acknowledge that people have asked us to read him this way in the past, and we were saying that we weren't going to. But, like, I think that you're right, that we were not looking at all of the information when we made that decision it should make a different decision yeah and i mean it isn't to say that people who are neurotypical still can't be assholes right obviously yeah like just because your brain works differently doesn't mean you still can't be a shithead and i think and i think it's i think it's disingenuous for us to hand weigh things like that away yeah i think that you're right i think that it makes sense for us to revise our reading and also want to just validate what you were saying like obviously we can't control like what our brains are doing but we can control how we express that or like the ways that we interact with the world through that and i feel like the world even still responds back in ways that still shape us even if like no matter how our brains are wired totally yeah no i think that you're right i think it it makes sense to read ron as probably having like adhd i do also get the sense that you know even people even neurotypical people have like different learning styles and hogwarts doesn't really have different learning styles at all and we never really see ron care about kind of anything that he's learning like there's not even like a class like you get the sense that you know charlie was obviously super into like care of magical creatures and honestly i don't know if the weasley twins are into any particular classes but like I feel like I feel like the twins, while maybe not uh, performing academically, is not on their high point. They're clearly very good at charms and potions and transfigurations, just because of the shit that they're producing when they start doing the testing for the for for their products and stuff. Yeah, totally. I just don't think I just I just I just don't think that they care academically. But yeah, I think you could point out at least four or five things that they at least are interested enough to be learning on their own in order to figure out their joke stuff. Right. Exactly. And, and like, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I don't think that 
like Ron doesn't have to be you know neurotypical to like just not be interested in any of the shit that they're learning in school because it is pretty it is it is pretty narrow you know and we don't I think it's hard to get a sense of like yeah what Ron is even into besides Quidditch and hanging out with his friends which is also fine like you don't you have to be 13 and know exactly what you want to fucking be interested in and like what you want to do with your life right but you just want to pal around and like I mean, he's interested. Actually, he's he likes defense against the dark arts like a lot, which is a, one of the only like hands-on things. I mean, I guess like herbology and herbology and um, care of magical creatures, but it's different. It, yeah, I think Ron would probably be happier in a care of magical creatures class where it was slightly less dangerous, but not the level of boringness that the flabber worms offered yeah like something totally. interesting but wasn't liable to injure him mm-hmm. i mean okay. yeah i was just interested because he like he went like all in on looking up stuff about hippogriffs which i mean maybe that is just maybe his passion is just like to be able to help people which is also totally fine it's not like you're getting any kind of it's not like you're learning any about how to help people in any of your classes that's for goddamn sure that's true. Actually, okay, so Ron is really good the, besides, or the one thing that we know Ron is really good at as of now is chess and solving mysteries, <laughs> right? Yes. Which both are like puzzle solving. Mm. And so is researching how to help someone win a court case. So it might be that like, which totally is an ADHD thing where it's like there has to be an element of like putting pieces together to like find the answer to engage his brain and literally none of their classes except Defense Against the Dark Arts involve that. Yeah, I mean... Potions could if it was taught by an actual competent teacher. Like, not if it was taught by a teacher who was competent, but also not incredibly shitty to the students to the point where it does not a conductive learning environment. I guess you're right. Potions becomes that way in uh, sixth year with Slughorn, right? Where they're having to, like, figure out antidotes. Mm-hmm. But up until that point, they're just, it's just like, here's the ingredients, make the potion. Yeah. Which there is no... Yeah discovery involved yeah. in that yeah and i guess that's kind of what i was thinking about because yeah like it it could be about discovery but it's not right yeah, yeah. i think maybe you're on to something because i definitely i mean i'm uninterested in things that don't involve any kind of problem solving totally. <laughs> like really quickly i'm like rope memorization fuck that <laughs> yeah for sure like you have to engage 100% of my brain if you want me to do the thing. All right. Cool. I think we should well, keep it I think we should yeah, we should keep keeping an eye. We should continue to keep an eye on this. Yeah, and also I just want to be like apologies to people that have reached out about this that we just decided wrong the last time we had a conversation about this which isn't the first time that our opinion has changed about a character during the course of these recordings. So. No, and we would not be doing our jobs if we didn't uh, talk ourselves out of previously held opinions about characters as we move through the series. Yeah. Cool. 
All right, that was like twenty minutes. <laughs> I know. I still, I still have, I still have one more thing. Yeah, go for it. So, leading up into the Quidditch match, Harry describes so much escalating minor violence, and like all the Gryffindors being like, "We're gonna fucking protect Harry." Like, we're gonna, you know, and it's just, it's so much, and I'm just like, why is no one fucking stepping in? But I realized that maybe part of the reason why it seems so like fever pitch, the like sort of tension at school, is that maybe this is the months of nervous tension about Sirius and Dementors like sort of coming out and the like safest way for these kids to process, which is sports competitiveness, like rivalries. Yeah, it totally could be. Because I'm like, why are you guys so fucking worked up about this? Jesus Christ. An excellent question. What? <laughs> like, um, none of the prefix are jumping in. None of, like, no, everyone's just allowing everyone to, like, be, like, visibly bullied and harassed. I mean, Harry thinks someone's going to sabotage his broom. Like, it is not good in this castle right now. And I don't get it. I think, and part of it is that I just cannot, no level of creative thinking, imagination, whatever, can get me to a place where I can understand why someone would care about a sport. I'm like, I don't, why do you care about this? It's boring. It, so then everyone being so into it, even if it's a proxy for something else, I'm like, but why? why i mean so i have i i mean i the only sport i care about is horse racing and even then it's only very mildly but i mean i am really into fandom and people lose their goddamn minds in fandom over chipping and like what happens in canon and all of that stuff to like a fever pitch that does in fact remind me of the way that people get about sports fandom to say you know essentially I think it maybe just is a safe way to express feelings that you maybe because our society is shitty don't feel comfortable expressing in other ways besides in yelling at someone who is from a rival supports a rival team or is into a ship that you don't give a shit about. I I think you're right and it, like that I can understand that on an intellectual level but not on a like applicable (laughs) no no that that i mean that is fair that is totally fair yeah people being able to like spout out famous athletes and like know about them very deeply and like care about like you know things that happen to them in their in their real lives not off the court or the field i'm just like or like fantasy like fantasy football (laughs) where you're just like We're just going to pretend about how people are going to like, and it's basically like sports role playing, but somehow more legitimate than art, than than playing a like tabletop, like role, you know, than playing like Dungeons and Dragons or something. Yeah, Um, like LARPing. Right. (laughs) Okay, I won't lie. I would love to go LARPing. It seems like a lot of fun. You should totally go LARPing. I just need to find some people to do that with. I've always wanted to do that. It sounds like it'd be really cool. In Southeast Michigan, who knows about a like inclusive LARPing situation, please email us. Yeah, I would like to be not the only 
queer and or black person in a LARPing situation. So uh, drop us a line if you guys want to do some LARPing. Oh my god, what if you start a gaily profit LARPing? Oh my god, I feel like a Harry Potter LARPing could be cool. Oh my god, that'd be, yes, fans of the gaily prophet who are LARPing in the parks. Sounds awesome. Um, cool. Good talk. Welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up. I almost forgot what we did here. Everything about Buckbeak's trial. Which I want to acknowledge we've like already acknowledged pretty extensively. It's the first thing on my list too. Like I think we have to address it, but I want to be mindful about just for time's sake, our last episode. <laughs> It's two hours long, so I want to try to be mindful about keeping it within the parameters of new information, I think. Okay. But yes, please. I just feel like it's a really relatable feeling that Hagrid was having where she was super nervous and there isn't any kind of, and no one is there to assist her and she has all this information, but public speaking isn't necessarily her forte and, you know, all this is happening and then Lucius Malfoy rolls in what I'm sure is an expensive tailored set of dress robes and is like, let's just kill the hippogriff. And they're all like, cool, case closed. Because the judicial system is not set up for people who aren't cishet white witches. So It's just, yeah, Hagrid needs a lawyer. Buckbeak needs a lawyer. Like, this isn't even about Hagrid. So... I didn't occurred to me until night until right now but buckbeak was probably there like sitting next to i know (laughs) (laughs) as what as for what why is buckbeak there just pigeon again just like (laughs) and the people are just looking at him he's like blood just covered in pigeon gore (laughs) etc and Hagrid's like, he wouldn't hurt a fly. <laughs> uh, well, Buckbeak, like, spits out some, like, pigeon feet on the floor. Yeah. And all these old dudes are like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about this. She's like, don't worry, he's full. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> he just came from a lovely trip from the gardens. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, um, I want to talk about Draco Malfoy and the kind of person who gets joy from harming other people and for all the sort of like Draco apologist-iness of our podcast to some extent, I think that we can't overlook the fact that he is getting so much joy from causing the murder of Buckbeak and severely harming Hagrid. Yeah, and I also just want to say, coupled with that joy of his family name and money being used to be able to make these things happen. Yeah. You know? And just sort of the, like, just, like, reveling in the privilege of that is, it's not great. It's a very, it's a very bad look. 
Yeah, I mean, he's, like, enjoying watching Hagrid cry, and I would bet would enjoy watching Buckbeak be executed. Although, I mean, like, what we know of Draco from the future, like, that might be the line at which his conscience actually kicked in, but it would be when it was too late. Yeah, I think he's definitely enjoying Hagrid's discomfort and sadness in a way that I honestly can't even imagine why anyone... Like, how you could do that. But I also do think that it would, he would draw the line about the gory details of, like, if he had to watch, like, the actual, like, beheading of Buckbeak, that would be, I think, too much. Which is okay, but still... Like, it's still not good. No. Like, it's still, like, you could have empathy before that, before seeing literally something being murdered on the ground before you. And right. yeah, we do, and we do get that, like, in the future, like, obviously he realizes that he even has this line and tries very hard to push past it, but can't. But I think part of it is that I don't think he sees Hagrid as a human being. And that's why, and that's why Draco can enjoy watching her be in pain i mean and he doesn't i mean i'm sure he doesn't think that like muggles are people you know right and so it's kind of like i don't know white people who can like watch videos of like black people being murdered and it's just like okay that that's a thing when it's like but no this is actually like how are you where's the disconnect between watching this terrible thing happening and being able to watch it and be like meh this is great and Listeners, not to make light of the many videos you could potentially find of black people being murdered by cops or racists or any number of lynching postcards that exist in our archives because racism. Not making light of that, but... No, I think that this is the kind of thing in our politics section where we're using Harry Potter as a way to talk about real life things like exactly what you're talking about. So I I don't... I think that you are extrapolating the conversation that we're having out to a relevant real life thing that this text is providing as like a basis for the conversation yeah yeah no that that totally that totally makes sense um i just wanted to make sure that was being being clear about yeah the ways in which you know people can justify in their brains how it's okay to watch other human beings suffer if you just kind of pretend that they're not like you, they're not people. Right. And also just considering how, when when we're recording this, yet another video of a black person being murdered on camera by two white dudes has been circulating the internet. And I thankfully haven't seen it, but a lot of people are like, for the love of God, don't share this video. But people still are. Right. So it's like, literally, why would you do that? L- literally, why? So anyway neither here nor there or i guess here and there but anyway no i yes i think all of the above like malfoy is is demonstrating that for us on like a lesser scale and you know it's fun to joke about you know his crush on harry and like you know their knees touching during the quidditch match but also i feel like it's important for us to acknowledge that like that is the kind of person that draco malfoy is right now and 
we're going to see that also in the next book where we see him enjoying seeing those muggles being harassed and fucked with it at during the world cup and he's just like this is great you could be next Hermione and it's like what the fuck is wrong with you dude like this is your classmate yeah and you're and you're just gonna sit there and be okay if she was fucking tortured by death Eat? okay you know what that is a terrible thing and you should feel shitty about yourself for thinking that so yeah yeah it's super it's super bad <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Malfoy clearly thinks this until, like, book six. Yeah, and, like, he is, he's a literal child. He's obviously, like, been raised to think this way. But that argument doesn't go, I don't care very much about that argument. I think that people give kids a lot less agency than they actually have. Like, I was nine when I was, like, I think eating animals is bad. I'm a vegetarian now. I don't care if you serve me meat. I will eat like nothing but carbs for the rest of my life because I'm not eating this meat anymore. Yeah. I, that didn't come from my parents. That didn't come from my environment, right? Malfoy was raised in a really, really bad kind of culty situation, but he also can think for himself and he can make other choices and he's he has the ability to realize that his parents are bad bad people so i think it's maybe also worth noting that i feel like part of it might be that there are that he learns about that there are consequences to those kinds of actions like he when he sees how lord voldemort and the death eaters are treating like his dad and other people it's that him being like oh this isn't just like childhood pranks bloody blood it's like people are being affected in real ways you know like he like it almost seems like he never quite thinks past what the effects of these kinds of actions that his that his dad is doing until it's literally staring him in the face yeah and he you know i feel like both he and his mom we sort of end this book with them having made choices that are antithetical to their beliefs that they show up until that point but motivation matters and like Malfoy might get to the point where he decides that he doesn't actually want Voldemort to be in power but I don't think that he decides that because he thinks that pureblood bullshit is bullshit but because he's like even as a pureblood I think that the world under Voldemort wouldn't be the world that I want to live in so I'm not gonna like help him get there like doing the right thing for the wrong reasons doesn't make it the right thing so what you're saying is it's like draco and narcissa voted for trump and then regretted it immediately yep but didn't change literally anything else about their belief system (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah they didn't regret it because of the impact that it had on vulnerable or marginalized populations they regretted it because of something that is inconveniencing them that resulted from that choice i mean narcissa's whole like turning on voldemort is motivated solely by wanting to get to draco you know it has she didn't decide that like the death eaters are wrong I, I think she's like turned on Voldemort for like punishing her family but 
it has nothing to do with her being like oh i'm actually have have realized that like muggles are people mm-hmm. so yeah um thank god my next two are like much lighter still politics but much lighter i know we wouldn't we wouldn't kind of we wouldn't kind of deep even with our real world politics anyway yeah what's next uh so no one's allowed to give neville the password right now however even if they could give neville the password even though the fat lady is back it is still a password that neville could never remember i don't even know how you fuck you even pronounce that yeah neville that's a nonsense word it's not a word like fuck that made me real mad um and then a little bit of gender politics oh okay i'm listening so uh, what is it it's the the night before the match when they're all in the common room and everyone's sort of like nervous energy and it says fred and george are like being loud and joking around and then it describes what wood is doing and then it says angelina alicia and Katie were laughing at Fred and George's jokes. Like they're, I don't know, just sitting at their feet, serving as an audience. And I just had a real big fuck that moment about that. I don't know why it couldn't have been Angelina, Alicia, and Katie were joking around with Fred and George, right? Mm -hmm. Give them some agency give them some active participation like why are they just like passively sitting by watching the performance of these two boys i totally agree that's fucked up yep let's get out of here let's get out of the politics i hate the politics section (laughs) let's go let's go talk about sports yeah let's go to sports Welcome to the sports section, where we reluctantly talk about Quidditch for eight pages. It is eight pages of Quidditch. It's inexcusably long. Especially since it's like basically half of it is a play-by-play, which I'm like, cool, I don't care. Not even a tiny bit. I do, and not that this is ever going to happen because of sports fervor. They should have canceled this fucking game. This is out of control. Like, everyone's playing dirty. Like, Hooch is losing her shit every five minutes because everyone's doing a foul. I'm like, get everyone some chocolate and some cheering charms and let's just, like, come back to this shit next year. I mean, not next year, but, like, next weekend. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, it is out of control. It Right. I mean, well, Quidditch, so no. But, like, how many penalties does a team have to get before they're like disqualified from the match you know i i mean i know that that's sort of a thing in like soccer and hockey so i i don't know how many penalties you can get in a given game i think uh infinite because don't we learn that there was a famous game where all 775 ways to foul happened in one quidditch match so that's true you can just keep on hurt harming one another indefinitely. I feel like we got like 20 in this chapter. Yeah. Like everyone's being body checked. Malfoy at some point just grabs onto Harry's broom. I'm like, <laughs> you're both going to fall. You're going to fall off Malfoy. Like, yep. what are you doing? Yep. <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. It's, it's a lot. There's a lot and going like, on. 
It doesn't seem like any of the professors are chill about it. McGonagall is swearing at Malfoy while Lee is also swearing at Malfoy. And I'm like, this is very unprofessional from you, McGonagall. Like, Lee <sighs> Jordan is, is like 14. out of control. McGonagall is out of control on this. <laughs> she's, <laughs> it's unacceptable. <laughs> like, she she's sobbing at the end of the match. Like, get it together. Come on. It's a sport. Yeah. I mean, not that I think he would do anything, but I'm like, maybe Dumbledore should be at these games because what the actual fuck? Like, someone needs to be an adult and, like, step in to be like, everyone chill the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's super ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Also ridiculous the fact that, and this is another thing that it's like, okay, we've definitely gone on about this, but just for the record... Harry has a 0% chance that he would have won that game if he wasn't on a firebolt. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, he's the his maneuvering, it's, yeah, it's very clear. I mean, at the, at the end, like, Draco is right there. Like, he's gonna get the snitch. Harry's across the fucking pitch. It's like, oh... You won because your broom can go 150 miles an hour. That has nothing to do with your Quidditch playing abilities. They should be holding the firebolt up on their shoulders, not Harry. Like, (laughs) Harry's just coincidental to the fact that they won the game. Yeah, I... I know. And I mean, that that is why Draco is tailing him in this entire game, because he fucking knows that. Yeah. He's, He's like, I'm not He learned from pretend. Cho at the last game. He was like, oh, that was a super good tactic. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to do the same thing. Right. It's like, I'm really excited for my Nimbus 2001, but I'm not going to, can't compete with this fucking fireball. No. Yeah, nothing about this game was fair. No. Um, I guess I'm happy for Harry because he never wins the Quidditch Cup ever again. So, you know. Yeah. This has got to be the reason why we never really see much of Quidditch again. Is That we don't this, care. <laughs> that we don't care. And also, the author has mentioned how much she hated writing Quidditch. And I'm like, cool, we hated reading it. Yeah, why? Just don't do it then. Be like, they yeah. played. Harry won. Move have on. A simpler, have a simpler sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this is a... I would have much rather had eight more pages of Hermione owning everyone uh i want a shakespearean like cutaway soliloquy from hermione (laughs) in this chapter (laughs) i just want her to break the fourth wall and talk directly to us about what's going on with her right now (laughs) that would have been so beautiful okay here it is my last thing for this episode Harry has these super realistic stress dreams, like totally exactly what stress dreams are like. Mm-hmm. But he wakes up and he's like, oh, it was a dream. The Slytherins definitely wouldn't be allowed to play on dragons. And I'm pretty sure I call shenanigans. Like, what about Quidditch indicates to us that someone wouldn't be allowed to play on a dragon? Yeah, if you could convince the dragon to let you ride it during Quidditch and not eat everyone. Right. I'm sorry, this is what uh, American witches play, which is Quidditch on dragons. It's an extreme sport. (laughs) 
She's like Quidditch MMA. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking somehow more like NASCAR, but I guess maybe MMA is more. <laughs> Your broom is on fire like every other second. Or <laughs> <laughs> maybe like a monster truck rally where it's like like it's like three brooms like somehow like wood glued together, and it's just like you, it might explode at any moment. But you're just trying to make this like the quaffles on fire or something. <laughs> I'm imagining like automaton dragons mounted to brooms. <laughs> oh my God, yes. oh my Some of God. them are like hydras that can spit acid, and then other ones like shoot fire. I'm not gonna lie, I would much rather watch that. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> I'm uh, also not gonna lie because I live in the Midwest, I would totally go to a monster truck rally. It's probably fun. You just get wasted. I've been to a monster truck rally. Was it cool? I was very small. I was like super into monster trucks when I was little. So my parents took me to a monster truck rally. I have issues with loud sounds. So I think I mostly cried because it was noisy. It was probably cool. But my the majority of my memory is being like, but can we leave? It's This is why so people loud. should just get, people just really need to get their kids um, the sound muffling headphones. Yeah, I don't think that was a thing in like 1993. It was not. It was not. My my nephew has one. I'm like, that's really smart. Um, you can also get you can also get them for babies, because I sell them for people who want to take their infants to the shooting range because America. Oh, <laughs> my God! I hate that story. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's uh pretty terrible. <laughs> I was, like, really hoping you were going to be like, they want to take them to, like, Grateful Dead concerts. I was like, sure. I mean, that too. <laughs> that's that's an acceptable reason to want to muffle yeah. your baby's ears. Yeah. <sighs> All right. This, this episode's been weird. Do you have anything left? I had a health and science about the aerodynamics of what Harry does in this chapter with his broom, but I kind of just don't care great let's be done we've been recording for an hour and 40 minutes all right thank you for listening to this episode of the gaily prophet don't forget to check out our new podcast escape from reality that's escape with a gay uh where we read carry on by rainbow rowell if you want to support our your podcast um you should tell your friends about it uh, we are everywhere that podcasts are. And you can also totally spread the news about us on social media. And if you or your other friends do listen, you should totally rate and review us wherever you're listening to podcasts at. Uh, it helps people find us. And higher up on the iTunes chart we get. <laughs> <laughs> the more we can spread the gay agenda. Don't you want us to spread the gay agenda to even more people? I think you do. They definitely do. If you have some extra cash or want to spend your government stimulus check, (laughs) you can buy our merch on our website, thegaylyprofit.com. Or you could support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegaylyprofit. Because capitalism is the worst, we now have only two tiers. And at the $7 level, the most magical number, you can get access to all of our Patreon content. And at the $21 level, the second most magical number, you can also get access to all of our Patreon content. We are a single support tier patron. (laughs) 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 I gotta take a nap. Um, 
Anyway, that's true and good. I don't think you said our social handles, so we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Gaily Prophet. And also on Tumblr. And on Tumblr at thegailyprophet.com. Nope. At Oh no. Uh it's Gaily Prophet the Gaily Prophet Podcast. Also, thank you to Naomi, who runs our Tumblr. You're amazing. Thanks, Naomi. If you want to know more about what I'm talking about, when I'm not talking about Harry Potter, um, you can find me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit or on Instagram at Alive from Detroit. You should check it out if you want to see photos of my new foster kitten, Ron English Muffin. <laughs> You're also welcome to call him Tyrannus, which is what I have named Jesse's foster kitten. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, you can find me on the internet on Instagram at Lark Malachi. That's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I or at my website, which is LarkMalachi.com, where you can book a tarot reading with me, which some of you have done, which is really cool and fun. Our theme song music and the music on our spoiler warning is by Kevin McLeod. A voice of our spoiler warning is by the ever-incredible Sarah Sarwar. And the logo art and any of the comics that you see on our website and social media are by Theo Julian Forrester. You should, at the very least, go to our website or Instagram to look at this awesome, the awesome comics. And until next time. Savage. Classy. Bougie. Ratchet.